Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about the biggest political event of this year, the 2016 US presidential election. My name's Freddie Gray and I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator. And today is election day and I'm going to be discussing with our pollster, Marcus Roberts, who is International Projects Director at YouGov, what he thinks is going to happen and does Hillary have this in the bag? Marcus, I'm here in Washington and the vibe I'm picking up is a growing confidence among the Democrats that Hillary's got this, as they say. That's what you think, isn't it? Very much so. Having spent uh, the last few days visiting um, uh, the Clinton campaign and uh, field offices, particularly in the Midwest, I have seen the reasons for that confidence in terms of both data and organization and have come away very impressed with, with the performance of the campaign professionals and the volunteer operations. And that is really about taking the demographic opportunities that Donald Trump's candidacy have created for Hillary Clinton and organizing around them. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that Donald Trump provided the opportunity to activate large numbers of Hispanic voters and female voters who previously may have voted in smaller numbers and increased their turnout as well as increased their preponderance to vote Democratic. That has taken a lot of data and that has taken a lot of organization to make real, but all of the indications are that's exactly what the Clinton campaign has been able to do. So what sort of Latino vote split are we looking at in terms of Clinton-Trump? Absolutely historic. Um, And we use the word historic a lot. We throw it around in politics all the time. But it's entirely possible that we're looking at something like a 30-point split. Let's take Florida, for for example, for one moment and consider the early vote amongst Hispanics in Florida. And one day last week, Thursday, 82.5% of Hispanic early voters were what we call low propensity voters. That is to say, they are unlikely to turn out. In Britain, we would call them non-voters, and anyone who ever mentioned organizing around them would be dismissed out of hand. Mm -hmm. And yet, 82.5% of these low propensity Hispanic turnout voters came out to vote in the early vote in Florida on Thursday. They came out in such numbers that the Clinton campaign has justifiable reasons to believe that if they win Florida tonight, they have won, they won Florida before polls even opened today in many ways. And there's no way, is there, that um, Donald Trump has appealed to Hispanics in some incomprehensible way that we don't understand? No, there really isn't. Right. Um, and what about African-American voters? I mean, the, the worry here has been that they are not going to turn out in the same numbers as Obama. But again, I think the late data suggests that actually the turnout is going to be quite good? Three things here. One, there was a decline in African-American early vote turnout, particularly last week. Mm. Two, there has been an uptick in African-American early vote turnout from Friday through, through Monday. And there's some anecdotal evidence to suggest that the very intense campaigning by the president and the first lady in African-American early vote areas um, has had a positive effect for the Democrats in those respects. But three, the other thing is explaining that lower African-American turnout. 
Let's take North Carolina this time as an example. In North Carolina, many counties have shifted from allowing early vote in 15, 16 locations to only allowing early vote in one location. This limitation of early vote has coincided with a targeting of predominantly African-American areas. In other words, the Republican-controlled state offices of North Carolina have deliberately limited the ability of African-Americans to participate in early vote. Therefore, we shouldn't be so surprised when we see those numbers being down. It does not necessarily reflect a decline in African-American enthusiasm for the Clintons as opposed to African-American enthusiasm for President Obama four years ago. It just may mean that they're more likely to be voting today rather than previously. And do you think there is ever going to, once we, let's assume Clinton wins this election, uh, do you think that the sort of Republican chat for the last 20, 30 years, sort of official Republican chat has been, how do we appeal more to Hispanic voters? You know, George Bush did quite well. Uh, George W. Bush did quite well. But you know, how, do we, how do we grow that vote? Do you think there is any sense that, or any evidence that Latinos will become Republicans in the next four to 10 years? There is certainly a path for Hispanic voters to back uh, the Republican Party. A Republican presidential candidate who favored a managed immigration reform policy in which a pathway to citizenship was offered, appealing to social conservative views of many Catholic Hispanics who appeal to the small government instincts of many Catholic Hispanics, but who at the same time offered more than warm words and respect for the importance of the Hispanic community, but actually an understanding of the particular issues of that demographic group, would have a strong chance of appealing to large numbers of Hispanic voters and would thus greatly increase their chances of winning the presidency. The problem is there is now so much institutional racism in large sections of the Tea Party activists, which have taken over chunks of the Republican Party, the other so-called alt-right that we've previously discussed, Mm. that it is hard to see a Republican candidate in the near term with such moderate views getting through a primary process without being pulled too far away into the the whirlpool of the alt-right. Yes. So the the Democrat Party really uh, will become the dominant party in American politics with a huge minority vote and a sort of elite college-educated white vote. And then the Republican Party is turning into a traditional working class vote and a populist vote, really. That's a, that's a sort of change around in the last 10, 15 years of, of American politics, isn't it? That's kind of it, although there's a few caveats worth noting here. Firstly, this will probably be the first time in history that the Democrats have won college-educated whites. Yeah. Now, that probably comes as a surprise to a lot of British listeners who presume that sort of college-educated voters are often more likely the case in Europe to vote for the left-wing rather than right-wing parties, not being the case in America. So that's an important change here. The next point there is that that coalition of um, uh, working-class whites is not quite as clear-cut as it, as, as it first appears because of the gender factor in this election because white working class men are likely to vote in a rather different way than white working class women. So you've got those very important caveats in play. 
And that, again, is why it's so important if the Republicans want to win the presidency in the future, that they expand their coalition. In, in simple terms, 53% of working class support was enough for Brexit to occur in Britain. But 53% of white working class support is not enough for a Republican to win the presidency in America because of the different demographics in those two countries. Mm. And that's why a white working class only strategy is insufficient to the Republicans' needs in this election. Yes. I mean, what they'd have to turn out about 90% of the white vote and get about 70% of it or something like that, is that? Precisely. It's, it's too much to actually happen in reality. And let's not forget that there's plenty of white working class voters, even if they are still a minority, they're a sizable minority, who will be backing the Democrats in this election. It's yeah. not like Donald Trump has an exclusive monopoly on them. Yes. The predominant mood I pick up here, though, will be not one of um, exaltation that Hillary has won among Democrats and liberals here, but just relief that it's not Donald. I, I mean, I don't think we're talking about a happy country here, are we? Yes and no. There is a fear factor for Trump. But one of the, the anecdotal reasons, again, that you would say looking at polling numbers, why it's more likely that Hillary is likely to win today rather than tr Donald Trump is that Often the candidate um, that wins is the candidate whose supporters say they are more enthusiastically voting for their candidate as opposed to against the other. Yeah. Now, it, the polling is pretty clear in the last few days that more and more Democrats are coming behind the idea of voting for Hillary Clinton rather than just against Donald Trump. But when you ask Republicans, why are you choosing your presidential candidate over Mrs. Clinton? The overwhelming majority, sometimes as high as 70 percent, say to stop Hillary Clinton. Now, that may seem like a good organizing strategy to galvanize, but the problem is, more times than not, that is a minority strategy rather than a majority strategy. Yeah. And finally, Marcus, I, I want to put your professional reputation on the line. If you have got this completely wrong and somehow Donald Trump has a huge chunk of working class support that no one really understood. We, I asked you last time if you'll eat your hat. What will you do now? You seem even more confident than last time. Because there's been so much more data since we'd last discussed. That's why. And um, uh, at a certain point in politics, even a pollster has to trust the data. Yeah. If Trump were to win, I would believe it was because of a polling error bigger than Brexit. If yeah. Trump were to win, it would be because the groundswell of white working class support for him was so great that it allowed him to ca carry not just Ohio and Iowa, as I actually expect him to, to win, despite the fact that I still think Secretary Clinton will become president overall. Mm. Uh, but it would also have to be enough to carry Michigan, Pennsylvania, maybe Wisconsin as well. Mm. Um, now, he needs to run the table in terms of, of those, those states, which I view as highly unlikely. That would happen if he won, as you say, those kind of numbers like 90% white working class in some areas, 70% in others. Mm. Uh, I do not think that, that 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 is going to happen for the reasons we've discussed. But if that were to be the case, that's where the uh, polling autopsy would begin. 
Thank you, Marcus. That's fascinating as always. And um, this will probably be the last Americano podcast we do. So thanks very much for doing all of them. And just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes anytime. Thanks very much for listening. Please listen in again.